for the worship band that always week after week leads us well there. I'm thankful that our kids were alongside us and for the kids workers that uh, make this possible. And uh, we also believe that it's a good thing to uh, get into God's word and to hear some teaching from him. And so uh, I'm the leader that gets to lead us through that on most Sundays. So welcome. Glad that you're here. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles this morning uh, to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, We'll be in Luke chapter 9 this morning. Um, in the New Testament. If you need a Bible, put up your hand and we want to give you a Bible so that you can uh, read and long, learn, learn along with us. Um, if you have your device or your app, you can also open up the Bible app and find it uh, right there as well. If you have one of these Bibles that are being handed out, you'll find the Gospel of Luke on page 740. We are in week three of our series, uh, The Way we changed the world, and though on, uh, with a set like this behind us, we're thinking today we could go for changing the universe, uh, right? So uh, Jesus is just that big, and uh, we're going to talk about Jesus. And, you know, one of the things that I love about uh, meeting people here in Davis, one of the things that I love to do, whether it's in the church or out at the coffee shops, um, everybody has a story about how they ended up here in this place. I mean, there's a few of us who were born in raised in Davis, but for the most part, a lot of us uh, came from other uh, places, and it was something that brought us here, an opportunity or some event in life. Maybe it was uh, the letter that we got in the mail that said, hey, you are going to uh, Davis. Maybe uh, it wasn't our first choice to be here, but ended up uh, being here for some other reason. Maybe it was some relationship that brought you here, uh, somebody uh, that invited you to, to come here, uh, job transfer, any of that. We have a story. If you think about your story for a moment, uh, going back, how is it that you ended up being here uh, on this particular morning in this town of all places. Uh, I'll tell you just a little bit of my story, and it goes back to uh, 1997 when I was in college back in New York uh, in a a small school called Long Long Island University, and I was walking down the hallway of the science building, and also I heard a voice speaking to me. Um, It was not the voice of God. It was the voice of uh, kind of this pretty quirky chemistry uh, professor. Um, Any chemistry people out there? Um, You know the types. Um, So uh, a little bit bit quirky. And so I walk into this guy. His name was Dr. Bob. I walk into his office, and uh, he said, John, it's about time you do an internship. What do you like? Um, Now, this wasn't a conversation that I had planned to have by any means, and so uh, first I knew I didn't want to work with dolphins, so I figured I would uh, say sharks. Uh, And so he turned and he pulled out a magazine article with a guy in California who worked uh, with white sharks and said, how about this? This sound interesting? Uh, Let's call him. He picked up the phone right there. He called and left a voicemail, and uh, uh, the next day uh, he called me and says, he'll take you. And um, so for a guy in New York, I figured, hey, six months in Bodega Bay, California, sunny California, you know, the California beaches and palm trees. I had no idea about California back then. Um, <laughs> but I said, that, sound, that sounds great. You know, so I signed up, came out, um, and lived the next uh, six months out in uh, California. No plans to stay out here. Uh, decided to go back, finish college. Uh, didn't know what to do with a marine biology degree after that, so I figured grad school had some connections here. Ended up back out here, marine biologist in the middle of Cowtown, Davis, and that's how I ended up coming here. Um, all of these different voices, all of these different opportunities uh, that led to 
uh, being here in the path that God has for you. Now, the point of all of that um, is that if we look at our stories, if you look at your story, um, there's these series of moments, these, these series of opportunities um, that you ended up uh, being where you are today. Maybe there were good opportunities, open doors that you gladly ran through, and, and this is where you really wanted to be, and you're glad to be here. Maybe some of us, there were closed doors that we ended up just kind of being here, or kind of got a uh, drug here, and right now we're just kind of, uh, you know, here and not necessarily wanting to be here, but this is where God has us right now. We are all on this path of making, uh, taking opportunities, of listening to voices, of finding relationships that guide us and direct us. And it's really uh, this path that is a series of decisions that bring us to where we are today. Now, a big point in our teaching this morning is this. Everyone is on a path in life. Not everyone is on the path of life. We're all on this path of opportunities, open doors, closed doors, events, circumstances that lead us to different places. But in the midst of going here and there, are we on a path that brings life? Here we believe that the only path that ultimately brings life on earth and on into eternity is the path of following Jesus. That, that very first thing that we need to do is to decide who Jesus is as we pray that our sins are washed away and that we uh, come through Jesus, that he is the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Then beyond that, that we are on a, a path where uh, we are continuing to align ourselves with Jesus rather than going our own way. That, that the ultimate path of life, of experiencing all God has for us, is to align ourselves with Jesus, changing our path for his. And, and so ultimately, we're looking at allowing Jesus to change us, and then as we follow him, to change others through us by the power of his Holy Spirit at work in us. And so this is what we're talking about, and the way to change the world. It's something that we call discipleship. It's ultimately about following Jesus as who he is. So we want to look at that, and we are in Luke 9. We're looking at the path of 12 guys um, who, somewhere along their way, in their path of life, are now in the process of aligning themselves with Jesus. Right, 12 guys, and we pick up their story. Of course, there's Luke 1 through 8. That hopefully uh, you'll have a chance to read through. But in Luke chapter 9, we kind of drop into a conversation that Jesus is having with these men. Beginning in verse 18, it says this, Now it happened that as he, Jesus, was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, and he said, You are the Christ of God. Then Jesus strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. He's talking about himself there. And then Jesus said to all of them, If anyone would come after me, let them deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow me. 
For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you spoke to your disciples back then and this morning you want to speak to all of us today. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to see the path of life that we've been on leading us up to this day. I pray that we would understand and see how you have guided and and positioned us through good things and through difficult things. But God, I, I pray that not only would we see the path that we've been on, but that we would see the path that you want us to be on. That is this path of life, and it comes through following your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus, come lead us today. Meet each of us where we are. Help us to know what you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Sometimes as we look at the Bible, we look at it as this kind of abstract answer book. Um, What we need to realize is that it is actually a story of real men, real women that God uh, is working in and working through. Specifically, when we get to uh, these Gospels that we're looking at in this series, we are looking at uh, real men and real women as they are in the process of, of following Jesus, of checking him out, uh, of wondering who he is, of, of asking questions and seeking to align themselves with him. These are real uh, men and women, how they interact with Jesus. And so, if you can picture this, Jesus is one day, as it says here, that he was praying alone, as was his usual custom. And his disciples were there with him because disciples, what they do is they follow alongside of their teacher. They watch how he lives. They watch what he does. We defined what a disciple is a couple weeks ago. And we defined it as this. A disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That is what a disciple is. And other rabbis had disciples back in that day too. And it's a teaching that moves beyond the classroom into apprenticeship that moves from kind of the, the, the big group and into more intimate connection, watching and learning about how to live. It's, it's the stuff of life, intimate relationship. So when Jesus is praying alone, his disciples are, of course, there with him. These are his disciples. These are his, his guys, his, his main, main crew there. Now, there, there's 12 of them. And if you were to look back, in fact, our reading plan, if you've been going through that, it goes through the Gospels, you've been reading through Luke, and you've been able to kind of follow their path. Uh, There's 12 of them. Some of them are fishermen. It's Peter and his brother Andrew, James and his brother John. Those are fishermen who uh, one day Jesus came to them as they were out fishing, and he said, follow me, and they left their nets, and they went and followed him. Uh, There's some other names that we don't really know that much about. Philip, Bartholomew, James. Uh, We don't really know much of their story except that they faithfully followed Jesus. There's a couple guys named Judas. Um, We don't know about one of him. The other one, we know that things went really wrong for him. He ended up betraying Jesus and uh, taking his own life. There were two guys, um, Matthew, uh, who was a tax collector for the Roman opposition. Rome was oppressing Israel, and this guy Matthew had joined uh, that side and was collecting taxes from his own Jewish people. And then Jesus also, in his humor, called a guy by the name Simon a zealot. 
because he was kind of like a revolutionary guerrilla who was um, trying to overthrow the Roman opposition. So if you can picture this, Jesus is sitting there, he's praying, he looks at his circle of guys are around, this very diverse group that he has called together. And the only reason that they're together is not because they have all this stuff in common, but the only reason that they are together is because Jesus has called them. And when Jesus called them, they responded. And they dropped something and left something behind, whether it was their nets, whether it was their table, whether it was their agenda for getting things done. And now they had aligned themselves with Jesus. And so as they responded and as they came with Jesus, they followed him intimately and were there alongside him in all of these things. Jesus looks at the 12 and he says, I have a question for you. And there he defines really a second, different group of people. Jesus asks this question and he says, who do the crowds say that I am? See, there's a difference between this group, the disciples, and the group that Jesus is defining, the crowds. The disciples, they've heard, they've responded, they've left behind, they're following closely. Who are the crowds? Okay, um, Jesus, see, Jesus, he was born in relative obscurity. I mean, there were angels that sang at his birth, but not too many people heard those angels. There's some shepherds out there. He grew uh, in obscurity, growing in wisdom uh, and stature um, with God and with men, but he was relatively obscure. At age 30, he began his public ministry, which means that he kind of arrived on the scene. He was baptized in a very public way, and then he began teaching And he began teaching in ways that astounded people. And then he began healing and doing miracles in ways that changed people's lives in a very physical way. He cast out demons that caused people to uh, marvel. And so what happens is the crowds start to to gather around and see, what's Jesus doing? What's he talking about? This is amazing uh, what we're seeing here. And if you can picture back in that day, okay, no TV, no YouTube, no, you know, Netflix binges like we have, hours and hours of entertainment at our fingertips. Oh, what are kind of the Hebrews to do back then? It's like, hey, let's see what Jesus is up to today. <laughs> you know, he's doing some wild stuff out there. He's saying some wild stuff. And so the crowds just kind of, they're showing up to check out what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is doing. And there's thousands of them that are coming together. Now, if you go through the Gospels, and I, I really want you to do this, again, this reading plan, it's, it's leading us through the Gospels. You can look and you can, can see these things for yourself. You don't just have to show up on Sunday and, and listen to what I say. Go through, read the Gospels, follow the path of these men and women, and you will begin to see, I hope, after hearing this, you'll see these different crowds, these different groups, You'll find them in Matthew chapter 7. It says this, when Jesus finished teaching, that the crowds were astonished by his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority. Matthew chapter 9, it says, when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel continues through and we see that Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the sea and great great crowds gathered about him to hear this teaching so 
big were the crowds that he had to get out in a boat and sit on the water so he could speak to the crowds on the hillside. And it says, he told them many things in parables. Now, parables are these stories that don't initially make a whole lot of sense. So you would think, like I often do as I come here, like I want to speak clearly. I want to uh, do my best to illustrate and to lead us. So we think, man, Jesus' ministry is really taking off. The crowds are gathering. How is he going to speak to them? We find Jesus kind of shows up. He speaks kind of some obscure parables, and he says, he who has ears, let him hear. I don't know what the crowds do with that, but I don't think that would work very well on Sunday morning here with you. But later we find this. That the disciples, the disciples, not the crowds, the disciples came and said to them, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus says, to you, my disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it was not given. And Jesus says, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. See, there's a difference between the disciples and the crowds. Later, Jesus would warn both the disciples and the crowds to watch out for a third group, the religious Pharisees, those who had been given kind of the religious uh, keys, the religious laws, and that they would talk a lot about it, but they wouldn't do much with it. And Jesus says to everybody, watch out for that group. But what we find of the crowds, that while the disciples follow the crowds, they come and go. They're astonished some days, they're absent other days. Sometimes when the teaching gets hard, they walk away ultimately it would be the crowds that one day shouting jesus name the next putting him on the cross those were the crowds if i were to define the crowds for you the definition i have for us is this the crowd can be defined as a basically neutral but curious group of people they listen and wonder at teaching and marvel at ministry but they never make any real commitment to follow. See, the disciples, they hear and they listen and they respond and they change and they align themselves to follow the path of life that is in Jesus Christ. The crowds, they too hear. Sometimes they may listen, but at the end of the day, they go their own way and their own path, rather than the path that Jesus has laid out. They don't make any commitment. They don't make any change. So the first question for us, as we continue to talk about discipleship, is this. Who are we? We are a group of people that gather regularly, but are we crowd, or are we disciples? Let's make it personal. Are you one of the crowd, or are you a disciple of Jesus. I'm pretty confident that when we gather together on a Sunday morning, and I'm thankful that we have a mixed group here, that we have some that are coming to see and some into, come into question, come to wonder, and then we have others who have made commitments to follow Jesus. And, and I want to ask you, and asking you this question, there's no shame, there's no guilt. I'm glad that all of us, regardless of what our background is, that we are here and then we were, we were wondering at these things. So there's no shame, there's no guilt, but just for yourself, think about that question. Are you one of the crowd, or do you call yourself a disciple, a devoted follower of Jesus? See, these groups, um, they still exist in Jesus' ministry today. And we tend to call 
all that we do by one term, the church. Um, but there are also crowds and there are also uh, disciples. And so uh, what, what does the crowd life look like for us? I would say crowd life often means attending occasionally. The crowd life means showing up to see what we can get rather than what we come to give. The crowd life may mean showing up to sit rather than showing up to serve. See, the the crowds, if we observe these different groups in the Gospels, uh, the crowds are those who show up and keep their distance, kind of watch from the outside. Uh, As the teaching comes, they hear it uh, just the same. However, what the crowds do is at the end of the day, they may go as far to say, hmm, where the disciples, they take it a step further to go and to pursue and and to ask. See, there's this difference in the crowds and the, the difference of the disciple. You see, if we were to put it into some of our terms here, we may find that uh, the crowds show up and applaud that the church is going to Haiti. Where the disciples, they say, how can I be a part of what God is doing in that? The crowds may show up and say, okay, I got enough to get me through this week where the disciples show up and they say, I want more. I want more. And I'm not willing to just go away at the end of the day. I'm coming to Jesus. And if he invites me, I'm going to follow. And I'm hungry and I'm pursuing what Christ has for us. The crowds and the disciples still exist today. And we need to ask ourselves, where are we as we're on this path of discipleship? As you sit here today, are you one of the crowd or are you one of Jesus' disciples. I want to be clear. Jesus has a specific ministry in the crowd. And and like I said, regardless of where you're at, it is amazing that you are here. Jesus, he ministered to the crowds for a a reason. Uh, Number one, uh, the reason was he wanted to do signs and miracles and wonders among the crowd. He wanted people to, to see and to wonder. And so when Jesus was doing his miracles and when he was casting out uh, demons, he, he had people marveling at himself because Jesus was showing who he was. Jesus also, it says that he looked on the crowds and he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd is the illustration he uses. It means he looked on them and uh, they were wandering and they were in desperate need of help. And Jesus looked on the crowds and he had compassion on all of those that were there. But Jesus, his real ministry among the crowds was this, that he was there to call people out of the crowds and into discipleship. And so he would speak to the crowds and he would share, but then he would always call, he would invite them to come and to follow. And that's how these disciples ended up being there. They were part of the crowds once. But they stepped out when the invitation came and they attached themselves and aligned themselves with Jesus. Jesus calls people out of the crowd and into discipleship. He calls them out of the crowd and into the path that is truly life, the path that is following Him. Jesus' goal was never just to draw a crowd. In fact, there were some times that He caused the crowds to dissipate. 
Because what he was really after were discipleship. See, Jesus knew that being part of the crowd is not the path that brings life. Showing up and just hearing or wondering or marveling from a distance brings no difference to the life. At the end of the day, you're still going back to the same path that you're on. But for those who would uh, lay down, that would surrender the path that they were on to align themselves with the path that he was bringing, now that is what can truly change a life. That is what can really make the difference between just kind of walking through wherever life guides us to living with purpose and direction that Jesus himself brings. I, I want us to know as a church that we are here to lead us to follow the path of life that is in Jesus Christ. That is what we are here for as we say in our mission that that comes down to discipleship, meeting people where they are and leading people to be disciples who make disciples. This is the path that we are on. Number one, that means that uh, we want to point to Jesus and say he is the way. He is the only way. He is the path to salvation. He brings us from death to life, from the kingdom of light, in, uh, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That he is the one that brings us life both here on earth and into eternity. And number one, we need to decide that he, that is who he is. Secondly, then, that we continually, in a process, align ourselves to the path that Jesus has for us. That even though it costs us the things that we may want to do, the dreams that we have, the goals that we have, ultimately we say Jesus has better. He has life in all its fullness. And I'm going to trust in him and follow him. And so what we do here as a church um, is that our path of discipleship, we only want to align with Jesus, the example that he gave us. So we have crowd environment. Sunday morning, really for us, it is kind of this crowd environment where we do um, what Jesus did. Where we stand up, we want to point to Jesus. He is the one that does the signs. He is the one that does the, the miracles. And so we hope that when we come together, that people of all different backgrounds will come and you will see Jesus. That we're not pointing to ourselves, but that we're exalting him. And so if, no matter what your background is, as you've come here, the, the doors to this environment are, are wide open. Regardless of religious background, whether it's different or none at all. Regardless of your history, regardless of your brokenness, regardless of your stage in life, because we see Jesus invited all to come. And so we invite on a Sunday morning everybody to come. You don't have to come and meet some requirements to be here. Because, what well, we hope that this is an environment where you see Jesus, where he is exalted, and where we point not to ourselves but to him. This is an environment where, like Jesus to the crowds, we want to lavish compassion. That we don't come and there's not judgment of like, oh, do you know what this person was into or, or this person doesn't know enough? There's not judgment. There's not condemnation. There's compassion. Because as a church, we are only people who have recognized our own need. Our own need for God's great compassion towards us that we were all broken, we were all astray, we were all without direction, we were all lost, we were all dead, but for the grace of God in Jesus Christ. 
And as he has saved us, now we are lavishing compassion on all those who would come, that would listen, that would hear. And so when we come on Sunday morning, there's kind of, like I said, this mixed crowd here. Uh, and, and this is what we're, we're about. But just like Jesus, we don't settle for crowd life. No, we call to continue to step forward. And so we have things in our path. And if I, if we have it up here, okay? This discipleship, if we're doing discipleship like Jesus, we see that we have areas for the, the crowd to just come and see. You are welcome to come. We hope that on Easter you will bring people simply to come and see what we are about. But then know this, that we will always call. We are not just about having crowds here. I love that, that there's bigger and bigger crowds here. Are we, do we want huge crowds? Absolutely we do. Because there's more, more people that can hear the gospel, more people that can see Jesus. But we're not about a bigger crowd. We never have been. We never will be. We're not about a bigger crowd. We're about making disciples. And so when their crowds come together, we call into What's next? What is that call of Jesus calling us out of the crowd into? And so some of the things that we do, we do call to step forward and serve. As you've been here, like you say, you're welcome to be here however you are, but we do. We call to serve in different ways, to step forward and to not just to, to sit and to receive, but to uh, give and to be a part of what God's doing here. Uh, we call into discovery groups and other communities like men's and women's group because ultimately, well, I don't know what you think of those things. Sometimes they seem just like kind of, okay, another thing on my schedule that I'm supposed to be at. But no, what it comes down to is this, that Jesus has more for us than this environment can ever give. And so we need to be in that place. Like Jesus took his disciples uh, into the house, away from the crowds, and let them ask their questions and so we come together in smaller groups and we ask our questions and we challenge one another, we care for each other following the path that Jesus had. So know this in our ministry. We always desire to call, like Jesus did, from the crowds and into discipleship. So ultimately, we're not about being a crowd. We're about experiencing the life that Jesus has for us. And Jesus knew and Jesus taught that the life he has for us doesn't just come from the crowd life. It comes from being his disciple, aligning ourselves with him, attaching ourselves to him, following him, seeking him, pursuing him, and then making those changes in our lives as we hear his voice, as we experience his Holy Spirit guiding us, transforming us throughout our days, continually aligning ourselves. Now, I'll be honest with you. Um, crowd life is comfortable, it's much more comfortable than discipleship. I, um, last week, uh, you know, Paul Bulware was up here preaching, and um, I asked Roly uh, to not put me on the schedule on stage at all. I was able to uh, kind of sleep in till about 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning, which was awesome. I was kind of able to kind of show up to church even a little bit late and to uh, sit in the back seats and to just kind of sit and to enjoy. And I'll tell you, it was good. I mean, there's been times when that's like created angst in me, having to, having to sit there and just uh, let everyone uh, else do everything. But uh, I'll be honest with you, it was comfortable. I, I enjoyed it. And I, I understand that the call to discipleship is a costly call. 
the call to step forward costs us something. It always does. And so if we heard Jesus' words, what he said, if anyone would follow me, he didn't kind of hide the truth. He, he said, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to lose your life so that you can gain life. And uh, up until that point, the disciples may have kind of not known that fact, but ever since then, we have always known that. Jesus tells us what his call was. It was to go to the cross and to die and to suffer for our sins. And he calls any of us that would follow after him to realize that there is a cost to discipleship. But it is through that cost, just like through his death on the cross came the reality, the awesomeness of new life in the resurrection. So it is for us. That when we think that we are surrendering, when we think we are sacrificing, the, the things on our path, the things that we would want to do, uh, ultimately, the reality is Jesus has something better. Now, it doesn't always mean it's easy. doesn't always mean it's comfortable. And every step that we take moving forward in discipleship, the reality is it is a, a costly step. But in the end of it, Jesus is leading us into that which is truly, truly life. But what is it? What is it? If we're going to do that, if we're going to take those steps, if they're going to cost us something, we need to understand why. Which leads us to really what is the pivotal question that Jesus asked his disciples. And it's the pivotal question for us today. Jesus asked first, who do the crowd say that I am? And they responded, John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say a prophet who's risen again. The crowds say those things. And so maybe we know as we come, what are people saying about who Jesus is? He's a good teacher. He's a great, great teacher maybe. Maybe even astounding teacher. I like his ways. What are people saying? He is a good man. He made a difference in the world. Maybe people are saying that he was some kind of God-man that seemed to do some miraculous things. Other religions believe in Jesus, that he was a good man, that he was a good teacher, that he was something of God. Later, the crowds would turn and the religious leaders, and they would say that Jesus was a blasphemer, that he was from Satan, that he was a lunatic, that he was crazy. And in fact, that's what led them and the crowds to call out and put him ultimately to death. You see, being part of the crowd, ultimately where it leads is that there is no neutral place. We may begin as kind of a neutral crowd just checking out, but in the end, we are either choosing for Jesus or we're choosing against Jesus. There is no neutral following of Jesus. But then you see what Jesus did. He turns the page and he said, okay, that's who the crowd say I am, but you, my disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter, who's always kind of the, the first to speak up, but he speaks for all the disciples, and he responds, and he says, you are the Christ of God. The Christ of God. We say the term Jesus Christ all the time. Christ is not his last name, okay? Christ is a title declaring who he is. We, we say Jesus Christ, you know what that means? When, when you call yourself a Christian, a follower of the Christ. Do you know what that means? Christ is a Greek word for the Hebrew term Messiah. Now, you don't know Hebrew either, so what is Messiah? Messiah is the one who was spoken of in the Old Testament, the one who would come to lead people into salvation, the one who would come to make things right. It is a, a title 
not just a name of a person, but a title that declares that he is the eternal king of kings. It is a title that declares that he is the one and the only. It is a title that declares that uh, the one who is the Christ is God himself. And so when Peter, a good Jewish boy who knew the Old Testament Scriptures, when he confesses that he is the Christ of God, it's not just a little religious word, he is declaring who Jesus is to him. And it is not just something in his mind, but it is a leap of his heart that leads to a place of devotion. You see, what he's saying is that, he, Jesus, you are God, which means that we need to fall down on our face in front of you because you are mighty God, creator of all things, heaven and an earth and the universe, and you are our creator. But then he also recognized that God has sent his son to lovingly walk alongside, to bring us into salvation, the only way. And as we see that mix of a God who is so great, who should just cause us because of our brokenness, because of our sin, because of our rebellion, that just melt before him and not think of turning our face to him or singing a chorus to him, let alone do anything for him. We see the great love that calls sinners like you and I, broken, battered, tattered, ugly, disgusting, inside, we see God's great love. And when we understand and when we can confess, Jesus, you are the Christ of God. It's not simply words. It sinks deep into our heart. He becomes our object of devotion. And the reason that we walk through some of the hard, costly things of discipleship, the reason that rather than sitting, we, we show up to serve, rather than just getting, we show up to give, while we go through difficult relationship stuff together, is all because of who Jesus is. There's lots of reasons that we may come to the crowd, where we may come to be part of church. One can just be tradition or culture. You call yourself Christian because your mom and dad were Christian and you were taught going to church was a good thing. We can also show up hoping to get something from God. Hey, we're desperate in life for something, so maybe if I show up, if I, I do the right things, then maybe I'll get a little bit more. I don't know if you remember the story in Luke chapter 5. Um, we looked at a couple weeks ago the story in Mark chapter 1. Luke chapter 5 takes it a little bit deeper where Jesus shows up and he calls those fishermen and what Jesus does is he tells the fishermen, hey, go throw your nets out one more time. And they, come, they, they bring in a haul of fish, like nothing, blessing, financial worth, all of this that is brought in. That you would think the fishermen would say, man, I want to attach myself to this guy if this is what I get. But if you remember, if you don't remember, go back and look at what it is. But what Peter does, he doesn't say, wow, look at the fish, what Jesus gave me. No, he falls on his knees. And he says, away from me, for I am a sinner. And the reason that he attached himself was not because of what he got, but because of who Jesus is. See, if we're going to follow devotedly, it begins with knowing and understanding who Jesus is. Understanding why we're doing it, because otherwise, when we're called to sacrifice, when we're called to give, when it costs us something, we'll walk away. 
The reason that after a, a Sunday off that I come back on Monday morning is because of who Jesus is. The reason that any of you give anything financially to this church is not because you don't have things to go spend your money on. It's because you're devoted to Jesus and you know that he is worth all that you have. The reason that you give your time, we're busy people. The reason is because you're devoted to Jesus. The reason that you sit and you go through those family devotionals with your kids is not because it's easy or pleasant. It's because of who Jesus is to you and you know desperately more than anything you want your children to know him as well. So our, our question, we're going to talk a lot about discipleship. It's what we're all about. We're going to continue through this series, but we cannot take another step forward without first answering the question of who is Jesus to us. Uh, some of you are here, and like I said, if you say, I'm kind of part of the crowd, I'm, I'm checking this out. This is my first time in church. This is my first time uh, hearing this. My first, I was hurt in the past, and I'm just kind of checking things out again. If that's you, you are welcome to be here Sunday after Sunday. You're even welcome to go to our discovery groups to, to come in and do things with you. You're welcome here. We want to walk alongside you. We want to answer your questions. We want to help you to know who Jesus is to us so that you can make your own personal decision. But know that that's our ultimate hope. All that we have to offer here is Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Our ultimate desire for you is that you would come to know Jesus and trust in him and walk a path of life with him. Now, there's probably many of us here today who answer the question, crowd or disciple, and say, "I'm I'm a disciple. I'd say Jesus is the Christ. I want us today to let that really sink in a little bit about what that means to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a devoted follower of Jesus, to walk the costly path with Jesus, to declare he is the only way, he is the one worthy of all my affections, his dreams are greater than my dreams, his path is better than my path, because if you do confess and say, I am following Jesus, He is my object of devotion. He is the Christ of God. I mean, we can fool each other. We can maybe even fool our families. We can fool those in our groups. But Jesus knows, and he has a definition of what it means to follow him devotedly. And when you confess him and follow him, I guarantee you, he will begin to ask you some things. He will ask you to walk a costly path. He will ask you to step sometimes where you do not want to step and go. He will ask you to give in ways that you may not want to give. He may ask you to love people that you don't want to love. And as we walk through that tension, we come back and we remember who Jesus is. That he is the king of kings. He has the best in store for me. I will listen to his voice. I will pray for his Holy Spirit to guide me every step of the way. And when he doesn't make sense, yet still I will follow. Would you bow your head with me? Jesus, who you are, our risen Lord, our risen Savior. Jesus, forgive us for so often singing the words 
for so often calling ourselves by your name. When we keep falling back into the crowd. Jesus, I pray just like you looked at your disciples on that day. As you looked at them as diverse as they were, as muddy as their paths were, as hopeless as they were, as ordinary, as unschooled as they were, Jesus, you looked at them. You asked a question. And the question ultimately wasn't about what others were saying. The question is about what do we say? So Jesus, would you speak to your people right now? Would you ask us the question? And Jesus, there's many of us that, are, that our hearts leap. Our hearts leap to say, Jesus, you are the object of my affection. You are the object of my devotion. You've shown yourself. You've proven yourself. I am the one who continues to fall back and go my own path. But Jesus has grace for each one of us, regardless of where we are today. And he calls us to come back, to get on that path, that yet there is life for you where you are experiencing death, where you're experiencing brokenness all over again. Yet there is life, yet there is healing, yet there is blessing for you. Jesus calls you to come and to follow him. Some of you are sitting here today and for, for the first time you, uh, you've been showing up, you've been part of the crowd, you've been coming and seeing, and you've been checking it all out. But I want to let you know that today uh, Jesus uh, looks to you. He says to you, who do you say that I am? I've been gracious towards you. I've been loving towards you. I've seen your past. But for you, I have a future. And all that takes right now is just to, in your heart, say, Jesus, I'm seeing who you are. I want to follow you. I'm tired of the life that I've lived on my own. I'm ready to lay it down. I'm, I'm deciding to follow you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. In your heart, I pray that you would pray that prayer. Jesus, for all of us, we would follow you all the days of our lives. Jesus, you are the only one worth our while. You are the only one that has truth. You're the only one that has life. So Jesus, we give our lives to you for the first time or all over again. We're following you, Jesus. Tired of the crowd life, we want to be your disciples. Thank you for inviting us, for accepting us, for calling us. For you, Jesus, we pray. Amen.